Hi friends, and welcome to another episode of the Oakham Church Podcast. I want to start this episode by asking you a question. Have you ever failed? Sounds like a bit of a no-brainer, doesn't it? Of course, it's part of being alive, it's part of being human. We have to make mistakes, even in things that perhaps we are... um, genetically or kind of predisposed to being good at even at things that have been recognized within us that we've got a gift or a talent for there are always going to be mistakes made because that's part of learning so to ask even ask that question seems ridiculous but sometimes we need to stop and remind ourselves that as followers of Jesus we're called to be disciples and disciples before they're anything else excuse me are students And students learn. Students learn, yes, by watching their teacher and listening to their teacher and following their teacher and doing what their teacher does and and copying and imitating their teacher. But also students learn by making mistakes. Students learn by trying and failing. But then the question is, what do you do with the failure? What do you do after you failed? So the the answer to the question have you ever failed? For all of us is yes. But the more important question to ask as a follow-up to that question is, what have you done with that failure? Have you let that failure say, oh, that's it, one and done. I'm I'm never doing that again. Or have you learnt from your mistakes? Have you taken that failure and have you been able to use it to to grow and to strengthen and to improve and to adjust and to 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 kind of change the way you'll attack that thing the next time so that you don't keep on failing because the the three things that can happen really are this firstly we can do something fail and give up second thing we can do something fail do it exactly the same way again fail again and fail again and fail again and there's that quote, isn't there, that says it, that the, the kind of the definition of like insanity is failing at something and then doing it the exact same way the next time and expecting different results. If you fail, there's a reason you failed. Something has to change or someone has to change. Something within that kind of equation that took place before the failure happened has to be altered slightly in order to improve and maybe you will fail again but perhaps you fail in a different way and you learn from that failing and then you fail in a different way and you learn from that failing so the question have you ever failed for all of us the answer is yes but the question is what do we do with that failure Over the last few weeks, we've looked at Jesus' take on a few different topics from things like organised religion and um, identity in the last episode. And today I want us to look at how Jesus views this issue of failure. So a couple of um, readings. We're going to be in um, the Gospel of John and we're just going to jump around a little bit in there. So John um, chapter 13, it says this. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. 
Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realise now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not every one of them was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And he carries on. I'm not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill this passage of scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. I'm telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me. And whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another, at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, Ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, What you are about to do, do quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus had said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas was taken the bread, he went out and it was night. And when he was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself, and will glorify him at once. My children, I will, be, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And then here's our focus. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. 
Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you? Why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. So here we have this very well-known intimate scene between Jesus and the disciples, literally hours before Jesus' arrest and crucifixion. And we see some real kind of personal, intimate um, times going on within this scene. Um, but the, the thing that I want us to focus on is the two, two things that Jesus talks about here. He talks about someone betraying him and he talks about someone disowning him or it might say abandon in uh, your version as well. And of course, we know that the betrayal comes at the hands of Judas. And we know here this disowning, this abandoning comes at the hands of Simon Peter. This isn't just bullying, this isn't just pointing the finger. See, all of the disciples will scatter and flee, just like Jesus says, strike the shepherd and the sheep will run. And as we see this happen, as Jesus is arrested, the rest of the disciples just go. They leg it, they hide, they run away. They're terrified that whatever's about to happen to Jesus is going to happen to them next. They're terrified that if they'll be guilty by association, that they're, if they're even in any kind of contact with him, if they're in close proximity to Jesus, they're going to get the same treatment that he gets. But here Peter so confidently claims, almost boastfully, that of course I, you say I can't follow you, of course I'll follow you. He almost harkens back to what's gone on of him leaving that miracle catch and leaving those nets behind and leaving his family and his friends and his house and all that he knows and loves and all that was his identity, as a call back to last week, all of that stuff that he thought made him him. He left it all behind. He counted the cost and he followed Jesus. And you know, you're telling me I can't follow you. Of course I'm going to follow you. In fact, I won't just follow, follow you. I won't just live for you. I'm willing to die for you. I'll lay my my life down for you. What a bold claim from Simon Peter in such a, a, an intimate and personal time with these disciples. And then Jesus drops that bombshell, doesn't he? He says, you are going to follow me. Not now though, but later on. But actually before that happens, you're going to disown me. You're going to um, abandon me. You're going to deny even knowing who I am. Not just once but three times. This is the epic fail. This is the failure of failures. This is the mother of all failures. For a disciple, for a teacher to disown their rabbi, this was it. This was the, the worst possible thing that could happen. And Jesus is telling Peter now that he's going to do that three times. Three times in the next 24 hours. And to this, this would have seemed like insanity to Peter at the time. What are you talking about? Is this, is he questioning my loyalty? Does he not trust me? Am I getting tarred with the same brush as Judas? What on earth is going on? But this is all about failure. And we jump across a couple of chapters into John 18 and it says this. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus because this disciple was known to the high priest. He went in with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard, but Peter had to wait outside at the door. 
the other disciple who was known to the high priest came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty and brought Peter in. You aren't one of the man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold and the servants and officials stood around a fire that they made to keep warm. Peter was also standing with them, warming himself. Then down into verse 25. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself by a charcoal fire. So they asked him, you aren't one of the disciples too, are you? He denied it again, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a cock began to crow. There it is. There's the failure. He's gone from claiming that he would lay down his own life for Jesus to now being a little bit cold and warming himself by the fire. And when he's questioned by servants and women and high priest servants, he denies even knowing who Jesus is doesn't just say he's not one of the disciples. He denies even knowing the name Jesus. What a failure. What a fall from the high kind of boastful statements that Peter's just made a couple of chapters ago to fall so, so low. I told him one of the other... um, accounts of this part of the story that as G- as Peter utters those last words of that third failure, that third denial of Jesus, we're told that they're in such proximity that Jesus himself, as he's being um, put under these mock trials and abused and, and treated so awfully, turns and looks Peter in the eye at that moment. And maybe you know what that feels like. Maybe you've had one of those looks before where you've done or said something or not done or not said something and the person that it's affected has looked you in the eye. And there it is. Cut to the heart. And in that moment, as the cock crows, Peter's reminded of the thing that he so, so passionately said would never, ever happen. He's reminded of those words of Jesus telling him that this is exactly what he was going to do, that this was going to be his failure. So now Peter has a choice, doesn't he? Just like we saw at the beginning, how is he going to react? Question isn't, are you going to fail? Because of course, just like with us, we see here, Peter's answer is yes. In fact, Peter, you could argue, fails in epic proportions, way more than anyone else could. It's not, are you going to fail? Because we know the answer is yes. It's how are you going to respond to that failure? How are you going to react to that failure? And in our last little bit of the story, we see how Jesus responds to people who have failed him. How Jesus responds to people who have abandoned and betrayed and denied him. And in that example, we have our own pattern for how we are to respond to failure. And here it is in John chapter 21. 
We'll read from the beginning of John 21. We have the miraculous catch of fish, which we've covered quite a bit on the podcast um, recently, but it's important to see where this part of the story fits in context with that. So we'll go from there. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, there he is, the failure, Thomas, also known as Didymus, the doubter, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. All of them had scattered and fled and then hidden in rooms behind locked doors, fearing for their lives. All these people who would, I'm sure, would have made these bold claims, just like Peter did, of I'll go anywhere with you, Jesus. I'd never deny you. I'd die for you and all this. Here they are now, all finally back together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And in that little phrase, there it is. He's gone back to before Jesus originally called him. He's gone back to his old life, back to his old old identity, because Simon Peter was a fisherman. So he's going back. All that stuff that he'd hoped was going to happen with Jesus and the exciting three, three and a half years that they'd just spent together, as far as he's concerned, now he's done with. And he's got to go back. I'm going fishing, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat and that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realise that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number a fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And of course he did. This is almost a mirror of the the original miracle catch of fish when Jesus called these disciples in the first place. This is mega deja vu going on here. It is the Lord, John says. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say it, it is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off, jumped into the water. And the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred metres. And when they landed, they saw a fire burning of coals and there were fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus had appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. And now here it is. Here's this turn now of... How is Peter going to deal with this failure? And how do we see Jesus approaching this issue of failure in the life of Peter, but also in the lives of us as well today? When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, singling him out, maybe staring at him in the same way that we saw him do just a couple of chapters before. And he says, Simon son of John. That's back to his old name, not the name Peter that Jesus gave to him, but Simon, son of John. Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John. There it is again, Simon, his old name, his old identity. Do you love me? 
He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Simon, Peter, answering the same way twice. And then Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And there it is. There's the response to the failure. Just like how three times Peter had denied even knowing Jesus. Now three times, very purposefully, Jesus gets Peter to acknowledge his love for Jesus and his willingness to to get up and do it again. He's been knocked down. How how is he going to respond to this failure? Is he going to stay down? Is he going to keep trying to do the same things and getting tripped up over and over and over again? Or is he going to come at this and is he going to learn from this and is he going to grow from this? And you see that in the change of how he answers Jesus each time. He says, you know that I love you. Then he calls him Lord and says, you know that I love you. And then he says, you know all things. Calls him Lord, then says, you know all things. And then reiterates it, you know that I love you. There is Peter's learning from his failure. And in the three times that he denies, now he gets three opportunities to affirm not only that he knows who Jesus is, calling him Lord, but that he knows what Jesus is by saying that he is God. He he knows it all. He knows everything. And then there's the third element to it as well, that Peter loves him, that he is in ownership with him, no longer disowned, but in ownership with you know that I love you, Lord. And there's those three times with the staring eye to eye, just like in the scene before. And also notice what's the fish been cooking on a charcoal fire so with that smell of the charcoal fire perhaps still on his clothes from those couple of chapters before when he denied now he gets to smell that smell again and what could have so easily been a reminder of all the ways that he had messed up and screwed up and failed Jesus and let him down in the past Jesus now redeems that time And he redeems the look eye to eye. He redeems the smell, the senses of that charcoal fire with the taste of fish and bread still in his mouth, with that miraculous catch still in his memory. And he speaks those words. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Friends, the question isn't, have you failed? Or are you going to fail? Because everyone's answer to that is the same. Yes. The question is, what will you do with that failure? How will you move on? Will you let that failure just stop you in your tracks? Will you let that failure push you back to being how you used to be, where you go back fishing? Will you let that failure just not teach you anything and you just get up and try the same thing and fall again and fall again and fall again and never learn from it? Or, or will you learn from these mistakes? Will you grow from this failure? And will you, like Peter here, move on? Grace and peace.